On this week's episode of The Best Podcast in the Minors with Daniel Guerrero, we talk Daniel's trip to Springfield, the pitch clock, we do our minor league Mount Rushmore of brands, then talk about the three stars of the week from the minor leagues inside the Cardinals organization. All that and more coming up right now on Best Podcast in the Minors. Hello and welcome to the best podcast in the minors with Daniel Guerrero. I am producer Carter and I am here with Daniel Guerrero. Daniel, how are you today? I'm doing good, Carter. Excited to talk about a lot of new things going on in the minor leagues. I mean, not just uh, in Cardinals affiliates, but around the minors. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's... I think this one's going to be a good one, hopefully. Is We're talking about a lot of systemic changes going on to the minor leagues. One in particular that's been in the news a lot with the pitch clock. But before we get on to that... You're back from your first trip to an affiliate. How was Springfield? You know, Springfield was pretty cool. I got the chance to go down there last week for a couple of games. I uh, had the chance to talk to some prospects, to a manager, Jose Lajer, and uh, yeah, just to see some minor league games live in action. Uh, so that was really cool. I mean, it was it was actually a lot easier drive than I, I had expected. Um, literally, it was just get on one freeway and kind of stick to that until you get to Springfield. So, I mean, that, that was... That was cool. But, I mean, yeah, overall Springfield, I felt like, was a cool place to go to. I think the going down to the, you know, Springfield Cardinal site was uh, was uh, really good. I mean, it helped me get to talk to some guys and uh, have some stories kind of loaded up here for, for the next few, you know, next few days. And So, let's tease a little bit of those stories right now. Was there any Springfield players that stood out to you, maybe that we don't? know of as well i mean we know jordan walker and he's and he's been playing really really well is there anybody that really stood out to you a ton that maybe folks might not think of at first the guy that immediately comes to mind is moises gomez and i know we've talked about him mm-hmm. before on this podcast so getting the chance to go down there and talk to him in person and see him play in person really helped just kind of see how good of a start he's off to and just kind of learn about what his offseason looked like and how he came into this opportunity. Um, that story is on pinch hits. I mean, Jose Lajer, the Springfield Cardinals manager, as he described how Gomez is playing, he said he's hitting the ball like a beach ball right now. And that was true last week, and it's essentially still kind of true this week because he homered uh, on Tuesday night. I think that was his 10th homer of the year. Leading, He's leading the Texas League in homers. So, I mean, that's the A Central Division for uh, those teams. And... Uh, um, I mean, yeah, seeing him uh, play just kind of put in, put into perspective of just you know how you know how how strong of a start he's off to. I got the chance to talk to him post game after he was a single shy of the cycle uh, last Thursday, and as I waited for him outside of the clubhouse, you could hear the MVP chants that his teammates were giving him after they beat Tulsa. He came out with an MVP chain, kind of like the San Diego Padres swag chain, you know, but just, <laughs> you know, and one that fun. said MVP and, you know, he was all smiles and you could tell, I mean, he, he was having fun. And that was one of the things that he told me when I talked to him, I asked him, you know, just kind of what his, what his preparation was like coming into the, into this year and this opportunity. And he said, he just wanted to have fun. I mean, that's one of the things that he's learned over his career in the minors. I mean, he was signed at 16 with the Rays 
was there up until this last year. I mean, he was released in October and then signed essentially a couple weeks later by the Cardinals. That's crazy. And, how, how they let go of a guy like that who's off to such a hard start. Yeah, and I mean, it's, start. One, it's one of those things that, I mean, yeah. as when you kind of look back in the last few years of the Cardinals system, where immediately Randy Rosarena comes to mind, uh, maybe Adolis Garcia comes to mind, mm-hmm. because those are guys that kind of came up and weren't as productive. Now they're productive for other teams. I mean, and especially Rosarena, who an ALCS MVP and rookie the AL Rookie of the Year last year. And I know it's early. I mean, and you can't really project, you know, how far a guy is going to go. But sure. I mean, Moises Gomez almost seems like the reversal of that at the first couple of weeks into the season. A I mean, karmic almost response. The, yeah, almost, almost the yeah. first month where, yeah. you know, the organization he was with released him and the Cardinals scooped him up. He's 23 years old. He's crushing the ball in double A right now. And it's kind of one of the things where it's like you can just kind of see where it goes. It's so odd because with Arena leaving the Cardinals, it was almost like he was part of a, of a major league roster crunch. There just wasn't, mm-hmm. at the time, I seem to recall, there just wasn't space on the 25-man roster for him. And sending him back to AAA didn't make a whole lot of sense because he was a quadruple-A kind of player mm-hmm. at the time. And so you kind of had to do something with him. With Gomez, it feels like, you know, he's in double A, which is nothing to shake a stick. Like, it's that's great. But, like, you so rarely see organizations give up on a guy like that at the lower levels where you're not confined by the 40-man roster. Like, you, you can keep him on a minor league deal, so to speak. And it feels like some great scouting to go find this dude and go... And, I mean, like, he, he might go cold tomorrow. Like, we don't know. Like, yeah. But to, he clearly shows something in his ability that allows him to go hit 10 home runs in the first two weeks of the season and in double a which is a case can be made to have better pitching or more more high leverage pitching than even triple a so it's it's such an interesting dynamic to see how almost lucky the cardinals organization has gotten yeah and i mean i think it's also i mean obviously there's a lot of credit to gomez with the way he's playing um he had i mean worked over the offseason just having better plate discipline. That was one of his Mm -hmm. big problems throughout his minor league career. I mean, last year, I think he had a strikeout rate over 30% with, uh, in double a Montgomery. Uh, and I mean, he's cut, I mean, it's a small sample size, but he's cut that down and he's just making solid contact. Mm -hmm. Uh, like also LaHare said, I mean, he's when he, and he's hitting the ball and it's loud. And I mean, it it is loud because I mean, in the two games that I was there, he homered twice, which is, I mean, one of those things where it's like, this guy just, He's seeing the ball really, really well. He's seeing the ball really well. He's, you know, anytime he's he's just making contact and it's leaving the yard. Anything else to add from Springfield? Did did anything? Did you get any good food? Did you did you enjoy the ballpark experience? Is what 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 else about the Springfield baseball experience? Did you left a impression on you? Uh, when it, actually when it came to food, I didn't get a chance to eat at eat at the stadium. Mm. Um, I got a chance to eat at this place called Papo's. Okay. I'm not really sure where it was. I mean, I had a couple hours to free ad for Papos. Yeah, I like it. I okay. Had, yeah, I mean, I, yep. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was actually like really good pizza. Okay, I, I, there I it really is. Papos, sponsor the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, overall, the ballpark experience. I mean, you do also get that sense that I mean, it's a minor league affiliate mm-hmm. in a know, smaller Missouri a smaller town, city, mm-hmm. and everybody really cares, and everybody shows up, and um, not just cares about you know, oh yeah, we're Cardinal fans, and mm-hmm. we're just here because these are the future. It's like no, like we want to see these guys win, we want to see these guys do good, and this is our I team. Mean, yeah, you got you get that sense, mm-hmm. and um, you, I mean, you do see you know some type of con- I mean a connection with Springfield and Springfield Cardinals. I mean, which is nice to see, just because obviously minor league baseball's 
important. I mean, it's yep. the future of the major leagues, these cities, and it's mm-hmm. good to see, you know, good turnout and uh, good to see people loud at the games. It grows the grassroots level of fandom for so many people. Mm-hmm. So if you can provide a great baseball, like not major league baseball experience, not big city baseball experience, but just a fundamental baseball experience. And so it does such a great job of like reaching out to the community, getting people in, having people attend who, you know, like you said, it's a straight shot to Springfield. So those folks might come to a game or two in St. Louis a year if they're really big Cardinals fans, but they get to have a baseball experience right in their own backyard. And that is really the, the, the downside of the of the league contraction that happened a couple of years ago or a year ago yeah right like but it's it's great to hear that springfield continues to be a spot that really cares about their team you know one of uh actually my uh the things that i really liked being out there and seeing just kind of uh the game itself is like the little the in-game host type things just because some i mean there's people on the field doing like musical chairs with like inflatable things and you know it's, it's just like the on-field kind of activities like in between innings it's fun and like mm-hmm. the in-game hosting that they do at those levels i mean obviously it's a lot easier just because i mean you can i mean i don't think you'll see people doing musical chairs at bush stadium just because i mean be just, fun, the na- just the nature of yeah you know just kind of how how major league games um are ran i mean and obviously you know the flow things, function things flow is yeah. different um but just seeing that i mean it's it's obviously i mean it's cool it's a way to get more people involved and just kind of more people en- enthusiastic about not just seeing the game, but being at the ballpark. And, I mean, those are the little things that you really overlook that you don't sometimes think about, but they're the ones that it's kind of like, I mean, it's 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 entertaining. It's cool to see people having fun. Let's stay on this topic of strong baseball experiences because mm-hmm. right now you wrote an amazing column in STL Pinch Hits. I don't know if you call it a column, a report. I'd call it a data story. Data story? Okay. Yeah, you, wrote a great da- you wrote a great data story in but, STL yeah. Pinch Hits about the use of the pitch clock at the minor league level. Can you give us an understanding of what the pitch clock is, how it functions, and what it's doing for minor league baseball right now? So the pitch clock, I mean, this is something that minor league baseball has experimented with over the years. It's been used in the Arizona Fall League in the past. It's been used in low A. I think it was used in the low A West division last year. And it's like kind of the name says, I mean, it's a pitch clock. Kind of the NBA, you know, has a shot clock that counts down from 24. So in minor league baseball, that's now the pitch clock that was experimental in certain leagues or certain divisions is now an experimental thing being used all across the affiliates from AAA to low A essentially what it's doing it's speeding up the games i mean there's no other way to describe it Mm -hmm. just because now with the pitch clock a pitcher with nobody on base has 14 seconds to throw pitch the batter has to be ready by nine seconds in the box when there's somebody on base or multiple people on base that clock goes up to 18 seconds and it's the same set of rules because they're trying to pick up the the league is trying to shorten the pace of play and just speed Mm -hmm. up games Seeing that in person, I mean, obviously you see the clock out in kind of like right center field. So this is what I wanted to get into is how does it practically function? So you have 18 seconds if there's Mm -hmm. a runner on base, 14 if there's not, and there is a clock behind home plate and a clock in center field. Is that correct? Yes. So explain. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I mean, essentially it's kind of like when 
in in the NBA or in just in basketball when you inbound the ball and the clock starts going, what I saw was the pitcher say whatever he throws a pitch, umpire or catcher kind of throws it back, whatever it's fouled off, whatever happens, the pitcher gets the ball and essentially the clock resets and starts counting down. So the pitcher receives the so, ball from the catcher or the umpire. Yes. And he catches it. Or in, yeah, or infielder. Clock, clock starts. Yeah, whatever it Got is. It. Guy grounds out, team throws it around, gets the ball back to the pitcher, and right there, clock starts counting down from 14. And what you're seeing is you're seeing pitchers just step on the rubber. Um, like ben, uh, Memphis manager Ben Johnson said, they're, they got to tow it and throw it. They got to mm. get their toe on the rubber and just get that deliver that pitch because there's no time to kind of kick up the dirt, you know, and or walk around the mound or just kind of dilly dally dilly dally yeah mm-hmm. and uh, along with those rules are limits on how many times you can pick off or step off in a plate appearance um it's two pickoffs okay. or step offs so it's not two and two it's just two total um if Got you it. step off a third time and it doesn't result in an out so if you try to pick off a third time and you don't get the guy who's Ooh. who's on first base he automatically moves up to to second base or whatever base he's on that's what you're seeing. I mean, you're not seeing a whole lot of stepping off and looking at a guy or mm-hmm. a casual throw over. Maybe it's not, you know, like their best. Like their Holding for seven yeah, seconds just, and yeah, stepping and off. That, that's yeah. what you're seeing. You're seeing them step on the rubber and just throw it. And it really is picking up the pace of play uh, across the Cardinals affiliates. I mean, in AA Springfield, AAA Memphis, the average game time since uh, the, those stricter rules were introduced on April 15th, and that's something I, I feel like I should have uh, mentioned because those those rules, I mean, pitch clocks have been used, but those that stricter rule set was just introduced mm-hmm. on April 15th. and So still fairly uh, new. Yeah, so those mm-hmm. those are things that, I mean, and, and uh, some people that I talked to said, I mean, they're still getting used to it. And since those rules were, intro- the, the stricter rules were introduced, games have been down about 20 minutes and when it comes to pace of play. It's crazy. They're, they're flying by, essentially, from what, what were two hour and 58 or three hour and three minute games are now two hours and 40 minutes or two hours and 30 something minutes. Yeah. When you, then that's, that's kind of looking at it at an average across nine inning games since those new rules were implemented. And then you're seeing like on an individual basis where teams are playing games in two hours and 20 minutes. And Amazing. that's like insane. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, you don't see that Never. At, at a higher I, level. I Never. Mean, and obviously there are different factors because now you're playing, you know, maybe you're playing on a national TV broadcast or, there's different things going on where kind of the, the games are kind of drawn out because, you know, you have extended commercial breaks or you have mm-hmm. different things going on. And here at the minor league level, it you're already seeing that the games are being picked up. The games are the, the, the pace of play is being picked up dramatically. I mean, 20 shaving 20 minutes off of game time. And that's all dead time. Yes. We're not talking about getting rid of game action. Yeah, they're We're, still playing full nine innings. Right. Still, everybody's still... It's you just get three dead, outs in an inning. It, nothing else has changed. Time. It's almost like you're watching two teams play with like a no huddle offense. Like if you're watching Oregon and mm-hmm. you know another another team that you know I, I can't think of another university. Washington. Yeah, or Washington, where it's like <laughs> air raid. They're yeah, they're not they're they're not you know coming out on I formation and running the ball and you know going back to the huddle and then coming out again. It's like no, these guys are you know spread spread offense. They're just getting they're playing. To, yeah, they're getting to the line and snapping. That's what you're kind of seeing. I mean, guys. Pitchers at the minor league level, especially like when I was watching Springfield, I mean, I just kind of try to take some time just to kind of look at their mannerisms and and see just kind of how they are on the mound. And some some of the guys there, it's just literally they just get the ball and step on the rubber. 
there's no getting the ball and kind of, you know, pulling up the pants, you know, wiping off sweat on your pants or whatever it is. Playing or, with the rosin yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, playing with the rosin bag or adjusting your hat. It's like, no, you get the ball, you step on, and sure. you're throwing it. And, 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 and it's obviously it's changing the game. I mean, because yeah. picking up that pace of play, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big difference. The biggest issue in baseball right now, that games are taking three and a half hours, and already... Like, I can't believe it took it took two weeks for them to figure out that, like, oh, we need to pick up the pace of play. Like, mm-hmm. the pitch clock fundamentally changes the way the game is played. It fundamentally changes the entertainment experience. It fundamentally changes the pace in which games are played. Now, just to kind of close the loop on this, to kind of help, help us understand, you said batters have to step in at nine seconds. Yeah, they have to be ready in the box by the nine-second mark. If they're not. If the pitch clock is delayed because of them, then it's an auto- I think it's an automatic strike. But yeah, they have to be ready by nine seconds to hit. And and I'd assume if the pitcher doesn't throw within the fourteen or eighteen allotted seconds, it would be an automatic ball. Yes. Okay. How have pitchers and catchers responded to this in terms of their ability to call games? How have they? How have? How has everyone? You know, how have all minor leaguers reacted to this? Have they liked it? Have they not liked it? Do they feel rushed? Do you, Do you have any sense of if minor leaguers like this or if it's really like? This is being imposed on them, and they do not like it. I think it varies, but depending on who you ask. Sure. Not all things so are going to be know, 100% um, popular. Fair. In the story, Michael McGreevy, I got a chance to talk to him on the phone, and he's you know in high A Peoria right now, and he likes it. I mean, he said, he's like, I like it. He's like, nobody, to paraphrase what he what he said, he's like, nobody wants to be at a, at a game for four hours. It's just not fun. Mm-hmm. And like he said, he's like, the game's full of greatness, and there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to love about baseball. He's like, but if you can pick up the pace of play, and not sacrifice any of what's great about the sport. He's like, he's like, I don't. He's like, I mean, yeah. he's like, I like that. He's and that he's one of those guys that he's a pitcher that works fast. He gets the ball. He even said he's like, he's like, I. He's like the. I don't think the pitch clock really affects changes me. his game. Um, in our phone call, he even said he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't even know if I can give you a quote on that just because like it's never affected the way I play. And kind you of, see, you he's, see he's that, already working on a pitch yeah, clock. He's a, yeah, 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 he's, yeah, already, yeah. he's already had kind of that internal pitch clock. I mean, I'm just going to get on the rubber and throw it. I mean, mm-hmm. throw it. I mean, there's no sense in wasting time. And yeah, you see it with some pitchers like him. Domingo Robles was another guy, Springfield uh, lefty who I talked to. And he was another guy. He's like, I, he's like, I haven't really felt a big difference just because I've always worked fast. And that's just how he's mm-hmm. always been. And then you're seeing a flip side with some hitters and like Chandler Redmond, who also in Springfield and, I had the chance to talk to for that story. He wishes that he had a little bit more time just because as a hitter, you know, you fell off a pitch or you swing and miss at a pitch and you only have five seconds. Yeah. You don't have a whole lot of time to think about, okay, here's what I did wrong on that swing or here's, or maybe here's what that was a slider or here's what the count's going to be. And maybe this is Mm -hmm. what he's going to throw me next and visualize what's going on or what could, what could happen. It's like, now you just got, you can't, you can't take that time. I mean, you gotta, you can't really like get too far out of the box or you can't really even step out of the box because you got to be bat, you got to be ready by the time. I mean, you're not going to be penalized for for something as small yeah. as that. And then, in another aspect, in Mem- I mean, Memphis manager said he's like it's speeding up for everybody. It's speeding up even for coaches. I mean, to give the sign to, I to was get just the sign say, and then deliver yeah. signs. I mean, if you're on, it's like say, I mean, coaching third base and you're trying to give the signs. It's like, well, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of time. To, you got to pick it up. You got to yeah. Go. So I mean, you yeah. got you, you got you got to be kind of on point with these things and. And it's just it's just changing the way the game is played at that level, and I mean it's not. I, mean, that I know, feels I know like we a tweak talk about, then. and like, I, I know yeah. we talk about you know how how it's changing, how long the games are playing, but it's also changing you know the way the game is played because there are guys sure. maybe who aren't 
more the action. Quick, the guys who aren't yeah. the quickest workers on the mound, and that's going to have the that's going to you know the with with rules that are implemented like that, especially stricter ones like the ones that we've seen of late, are going to be ones that are going to hey it's going to it's going to force you to you know to to you know to get on that rubber and throw the ball. I mean, there's no adjusting hats and playing with the rosin bag like we talked about. I mean, it's find your breathing yeah. mechanism, whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I it makes me think that this is working fundamentally. Absolutely, it needs to be implemented at the major league level. It makes me wonder like how things like. Major League Baseball has introduced the pitchcom system. Mm-hmm. That's still not foolproof. So I wonder how like pitchers are going to be receiving calls using that if the catcher isn't as savvy at using it. Things like that. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you're a hitter and you're st- and you foul a ball off your foot and you need an extra couple seconds, but you got to be in the box and under five. And all of a sudden you don't, and you're now down instead of being down 0-1, you're down 0-2. It makes me f- think that like there will be tweaks and adjustments Mm -hmm. to make like quality of life for the players better. Yeah. But also that this is, and I think you're right it by virtue of speeding the game up, you're adding more energy to the game. You're adding more action to the game. More things happen in a shorter period of time, which is key. That's what, that's what the game needs. You need. So I'm curious as to how, when this evolves to the major league level, how these things change and as the season goes on, what things we learn from the more data? Because, like you said, it's only been around for what? Like, I think we're looking at like thirteen, like less than two weeks. It's only been thirteen yeah. days, which crazy already. The fact that it's yeah. this fast. And I mean, and and it's kind of a thing to keep in mind is that remember these are experimental rules. I mean, just because mm-hmm. they're using this in AAA right now, or they're using it in AA, means that it's going to be the major league level. Oh, I'm saying it should. I know it won't. I'm saying it should. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. there's obviously time to to figure out. I mean, like you said, that like to, to kind of tweak things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like there, there's obviously going to be some adjustments just because, um, I mean, you, to, to drastically change the game like that, it's obvious. At the, it's, the it would, overnight, not going to happen. Yeah, it would, it would yeah. be something that, that I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it would, be, it would be actually pretty crazy to see. But, I mean, obviously, there's going to there's gonna be some changes. I mean, like you said, it's mm-hmm. it, it's there it's only been around for less than two weeks. And, I mean, about two weeks at this point now. And... Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some changes. There's going to be like, there's going to be some 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 learning curves and like some growing pains in figuring out, you know, how this is going to work and how it can be implemented at a at the next level. Was this the first implementation of the pitch clock, or was there other versions of it? At like, say, I know at like affiliate leagues like the American Association and the Frontier League and the Pioneer League, they do mm-hmm. stuff like this to test it out. Is this the first implementation of the pitch clock at the AAA level? And I use AAA as like kind of like the closest thing to Major League Baseball because they don't want to tweak that too much. Have they used pitch clocks before? Yeah, actually, I'm not sure. I know last year this this rule set with the quicker and stricter rules were, mm-hmm. was used at low A. Okay. Um, I know the pitch clock in general has been used um, in in the Arizona Fall League, and that's okay. kind of obviously where where you see a lot of a lot of experimenting too. Yeah. And um, but I mean, yeah, I mean tri- with AAA being you know, the next step to the majors. That's usually where they want to prepare you for yeah. what you're going to experience at the major league level. So, I mean, yeah, for that to mm-hmm. be the next step and players I, already playing with it and kind of adjusting to it, 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 um, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things. It's like the, the yeah. pitch clock is kind of getting closer and closer to being in the majors. I, I only ask because I wonder if 
you know, we talk about like tweaks and balances and you want to like slowly integrate it into your major league product. Let's say hypothetically at the AAA level, the pitch clock was around last year where they had the, the running clock, mm-hmm. but it wasn't strictly enforced. Maybe next year or after the All-Star break or at some point this season, probably not. But like, let's say next year in Major League Baseball, they start introducing a clock. Mm-hmm. And it's not enforced. Like the pickoff rules aren't enforced. The step-in rules aren't enforced. It's just kind of like to kind of get pitchers used to seeing it. And then you slowly start over the next two or three years, start adding so that players don't feel like overnight, you know, like Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer, the game doesn't fundamentally change on them overnight. Mm -hmm. You start integrating things slowly. So I'd be curious to see like how the growth of the pitch clock across the minor league, you know, I wonder how those players who experienced it, they're now at high A, let's say, Mm -hmm. they're more used to it. So they kind of grow in the major in through the major league system. So by the time they get to the major leagues in three four years, this is just baseball for them. Yeah, like how how quickly that turns like because you want to integrate it appropriately. You don't want to tick people off, so to speak. So yeah, you want a smooth transition. You yeah. don't. You mean like it's it's actually kind of like what McGreevy said. It's like you don't want to sacrifice the the quality of the game or the greatness of the game. I mean, but if you can or your stars or you, the health yeah, of your you, stars. Yeah, yeah. If you can change if you can change the game a little bit and not sacrifice that. And just make it more enjoyable from the a view a fan aspect and even just a player aspect. I mean, sometimes these four hour games just drag on, and you got to do oh, day yeah. game after night game or something like that. And I mean, if it, if it makes it more enjoyable and easier to watch and you know more intense without you know risking anything, anything or you do it at one hundred percent. I mean, it, it yeah. makes sense. Before we get on to our fun segment of the day. And- Let's talk about the three stars of the week at the minor league level. We don't have a ton of time to go through each minor league level. We'll do that on a, you know, maybe more bi-weekly or monthly basis. We're going to get to our three stars of the week. Our third star of the week is Zach Thompson. He was featured heavily in your Hits and Misses uh, articles this week on STL Pinch Hits. Uh, what's up with Zach? Zach, I mean, had the second longest outing, I guess, for the spring. I mean, a Memphis pitcher this week. My, Zach Thompson followed that up with six and two-thirds nine strikeouts against uh against Durham and what you saw I mean was just better stuff um this is, I mean this is I mean this is a guy who was a first rounder and you're I mean you're seeing what you saw was you know some of that some of that quality and some of that potential I mean his his fastball was up more than what it had been last year I mean he, he I think he was ranging from like 92 to 94 with it and his curveball I mean something that was just baffling hitters and he used it effectively and had what was his best start of the year? The second star, we've talked about him a lot already, is Michael McCreevy. This is the kind of guy who might be getting, maybe banging on the door for a call-up soon. Can you tell us a bit about Michael? Yeah, I mean, Michael McGreevy has been off to a very strong start in Peoria, and he followed that up with his last outing. I mean, he he's coming, in, coming into his last outing, he had only given up one run. Now that total is two. And it's funny, so I was reading the Peoria game notes the other day, uh, the day after his start, and it said, the, the way it was written, it said, like, in a statistical kind of, an ironic way, his ERA actually went up after giving up one run in six innings. And He's he been also, so good that one also, run hurts. Yeah, <laughs> and he also, I mean, he also struck out nine guys. And, yeah, I mean, he was his stuff has been really good to start the year. Uh, one of the things that he said he, he worked on over the offseason when I had the chance to talk to him was uh, just working on his curveball. And that's something that just with more repetition and more work, he's been able to to kind of strengthen in his arsenal. He will be looking for a call-up soon if he keeps performing like this. The first star of the week, we talked about him a bunch at the start of the top of the show, Moises Gomez. Yeah, I mean, he's 
hitting the ball like a beach ball. And yep. one of the things that when I had the chance to talk to him about uh, just kind of the start to the season is that his biggest thing is that he just wanted to have fun, which is weird as he mean weird to hear, I guess, because like I know a lot of people to have different, you know, mindsets of, you know, what they want to do in the game. And his his thing was like, he just wants to have fun. I mean, he he and he's having fun mm-hmm. right now, like he said, and he's gotten better at his play discipline. He in the offseason, he said he worked. Uh, he got some in the time that, you know, in the offseason, he he was in Arizona where he got some work in. He went back to Venezuela to to work to work out to to train out there. He played in the Venezuelan Winter League and uh, it was only a few games. But I mean, he hit the ball really well. I think in six games, he batted around like 380. And I mean, it's the Rays are going to and, and this is and yeah. this is one. Well, this is after he struggled last year with Montgomery. In, yeah. In the race system. And I think I, one of the things he said that I, I mean, I asked him, I was like, what what are some of the things that he's kind of learned throughout his career? I mean, he came into professional baseball as a teenager, you know, seven years later, he's here with this new opportunity that he wants to take the most he wants to make the most of. And yeah. he said, he's like, if I um, one of the things that he's learned is just to play more relaxed be more relaxed in the box not to try to do too much and just to have fun i mean that's the word enjoy he, that's the, the word that's the word yeah. he used the most and obviously with the way he's hitting the ball and the numbers he's putting up you can tell he's having fun let's get to the fun stuff shall we yeah so we decided we're going to end the show with some fun stuff every every week kind of take a load off here um and this week we're going to be doing a mount rushmore of minor league brands. Now, the fun thing about minor league baseball is that with so many teams, you get a ton of really interesting branding opportunities for these teams. I think we all kind of, you know, we see on social media the Savannah Bananas are really impressive and fun. They're not really affiliated baseball, though. They're a whole different kind of thing. No, they're the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 I'm not, and I don't want to suggest that there's anything wrong with that, but we focused on, for this Mount Rushmore, our four favorite affiliated minor league brands. Daniel, do you want to start with your first and give us a little bit of a... I think the names are almost fun enough, but if, you, if there's anything else that strikes you about your favorite mm-hmm. minor league brands... Um, well, the one... So the first of four, um, I'm actually going to go in the order of how I... Oh, okay. So this I, is a power ranking. How I, how I, yeah, how I rank them. Okay. Um, number four on my ranking is the Montgomery Biscuits. So I know we've actually mentioned them when yep. we're talking about Gomez, but um, I don't know, just the Biscuits, man. It's It just sounds like the a logo is name. a biscuit the with eyes. The logo is literally yeah. a biscuit with eyes and butter. Yeah, it's great. Like, how can you not, how can you not yeah. like that? Um, number three on the ranking for me is a... Uh, is, uh, Padres AAA affiliate, the El Paso Chihuahuas. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, my thing is like you normally see like tigers and lions and bears as oh my, <laughs> as you know, team nicknames. And here you have the Chihuahuas, and they're the logo's cool because it's a little fierce Chihuahua, and it's angry. And if if you've been around them, and I've been around a lot of them, the smaller they are, the more angry yep. and aggressive they they can be. Just for whatever reason, that's how they are. And you know, you have uh, their their logo is pretty cool. And number two. For me, the Mariners low A, the Modesto Nuts, it's a nut who has a baseball cap and it's also great. looks angry as their logo. And I like that all these like very like <laughs> innocuous things just, are angry. It's never fun. It's, it's never it's, fun. They're always exactly. like, it's always like, here's a, f- you know, here's a fun thing that is angry. And then your 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 number number one, which you had to wrestle away from me on the on the rankings, but I I, I gave it up. Your number one. My number one is the Angels Double A affiliate, the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Because how can you not love the name, and yep. how can you not love the logo, which is Trash Panda is a raccoon. Is a raccoon. Yeah. Is a raccoon. 
And the logo is a, if you haven't seen it, it's a raccoon literally in a rocket ship that looks like a trash can. And he has a lid. It's like a a helmet. trash can lid over him. And also he, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, how can you not love these logos? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just fun. So I will do the same then, and I, I I didn't rank mine, but here's a, here here are my four that I think are are the most fun that I I like the most, yeah. and part of this is that like I like collecting minor league things, so I have a bunch of these baseball caps just because I, I think they're fun to have and to support the minor leagues, especially during the pandemic when teams these teams didn't play, mm-hmm. so the only way a lot of these teams were able to pay a lot of their staff was through merchandise sales. So I opened my pocketbook to support these organizations in the same vein that the rocket city trash pandas i went with the quad city river bandits Mm. which are also raccoons that um are like in boats yeah like i mean how can you not like like, that yeah and it's like they have little like robber masks on it's great i love it's they're they're kansas city's high a affiliate the the astros triple a affiliate used to be i believe the sugarland skeeters yes they are now the sugarland space cowboys um, some people call them Maurice, but I call them Space Cowboys. Hmm. It's just fun. Like I like how the Astros have kind of they they had their City Connect jerseys as well that were very reminiscent of like the NASA yeah like logos and fonts. And I like how the Astros and they have Orbit. I love Orbit. We had to do mascots is another thing mm-hmm. we'll do. I like how the Astros have leaned into their like outer space theming because I just I just like you like, syner- you like synergy, consistent brands, like, yeah, like consist- you know, consistency amongst brands, and so the space cowboys are fun, right? And it's Texas, right? So it's like cowboys, space cowboys. It's fun. This is just purely for the name. Their logos are not spectacular, mm-hmm. but the name is spectacular. Uh, the Mets AA affiliate is the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. That is so funny. A rumble pony, like a fighting yeah. pony, rumble ponies, <laughs> like. I feel like that's like an old-timey insult that you would give to somebody. It's like, ah, those guys down there, they're all about the rumble ponies. Like, like I don't know why. It's its its just so fun. And then the Diamondbacks, who are in town to fix the Cardinals this week, uh, their high-A affiliate is the Hillsboro Hops, and they look like an angry hop, mm-hmm. like, the bud, like the leaf bud of how you make beer, and it's angry. And I don't know how a plant can be angry, but it is, and yeah. it's it's, and they, they also got great coloring and, and great stuff like that. But the Hillsboro Hops are my um, the fourth. So you went with the Rocket City Trash Pandas, the Modesto Nuts, the El Paso Chihuahuas, and the Montgomery Biscuits, and I have the Hillsboro Hops, the Binghampton Rumble Ponies, the Sugarland Space Cowboys, and the Quad City River Bandits. Do you have any outside looking ins? Any OLIs? Uh, probably the Daytona Tortugas. I love them. I mean, I know you're wearing that hat last week, and I, I like they so. During the pandemic, I put out, like, the first minor league team to like this tweet, I'll buy. Yeah. With the full intention of buying a whole bunch. And they just, I don't know how this happened. They just sent it to me. Like, I didn't purchase it. They just sent me a hat. And I was like, oh, Uh, okay, okay, thanks. (laughs) So I ended up up buying a t-shirt because I was like, I have to, like, now give you money of some sort. So, like, I, I bought something else. But it was like, I don't know how you got my address, first and foremost. But, like, but, like, maybe, I don't know. Um... I have the Peoria Chiefs on my list. Uh, the name itself does not inspire a whole lot of anything interesting, but like I like that they've used the name Chiefs in reference to uh, a firehouse dog, mm-hmm. and I am a big sucker for anything dog-related. Any mm-hmm. dog mascot, I'm a big-time sucker for. So the fact that it's also a Dalmatian wearing a fireman's outfit is 
amazing. I have one ordered right now, actually. Yeah. Well, it's a, well it's, I mean, if you get we, if, yeah. if we all get to Peoria, I mean, you got to make a TikTok with Homer. Yes, mascot. I, I, I can't wait. I'm very excited for that. Um, I also have the Hartford Yard Goats. Mm. Yard Goats, are just, it's just goats. It's funny. Yeah. It's cute. Anything else to add before we do our little send off here on Best Podcast in the Miners? You got anything coming up that we need promote for you? Um, no, I mean, just be on the lookout for the latest content on STL Pinch Hits. Um, there will be some minor leagues stories coming out i mean some but after being able to talk to some of the guys like jordan walker and uh delvin prez i mean there, there'll be some 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 stuff that I, that i some stories that i hope to tell and uh just thank you for listening thank you for supporting and reading our stuff um so yeah i mean that's kind of the only message i have yeah log on to stlpinchits.com as well as the stl pinchits app this has been the best podcast in the minors i am producer carter that is your host daniel guerrero thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week